Well, good morning. I thought that this morning I would start by telling you about one of my experiences when I was a Bible college student. Uh, my first year, towards the end of the year, we went for a week to the mustard seed uh, here in downtown Calgary, which is a homeless shelter there. And we spent that week learning about homelessness, but they also tried to let us experience homelessness. And so they did this in several ways. Uh, we did things like when we first arrived, we went through the clothing donations and we picked out the clothes that we were going to wear for the week. And we wore those clothes the whole week. Um, we didn't change. We, we wore them the whole time. We didn't shower the whole week. Uh, and we did different things like um, picking bottles. And, and so by the end of the week, we were pretty dirty and smelly, as you can imagine. And that's when probably the most powerful experience happened. And that's how we went out and we went panhandling. We sat on the side of the road and we begged for money. And the money that we got was going to be what we had to buy breakfast the next morning. And so I can still remember sitting on the side of Stephen Avenue. And as people would walk by, I would say, can you spare some change? And you know, I must have looked the part because the reaction that people gave me um, was one that that still sticks in my mind really strong today. You see, what most people would do is they would just try to ignore you. They tried to pretend that you weren't there. They'd set their eyes straight ahead, refuse to look in your direction, refuse to acknowledge your existence, refuse to acknowledge your humanity. You felt like you didn't even matter. And it hurt. After having enough people do that, I started to get this feeling like, like I was totally worthless. Like, like I wasn't even human anymore. That I didn't even matter. There were other people that would just lie to you. You would say, can, I spare, can you spare some change? And, and for whatever reason, they had actually made eye contact with you or something, and they felt that they needed to respond. And so they would say, oh, I'm sorry, I don't have anything. And I would have loved to have believed them, but a few seconds before, I had heard them jingling change in their pockets. And so I knew that they were lying to me. Um, and so that hurt. But you know, what's really amazing to me about this experience is actually in the time since then. When I've been walking a street here in Calgary, or, or maybe I've been across the street here at the mall, and I see someone that's homeless, and I see that they're asking for money, and unfortunately, I find that my response is the same response that people gave me. I try to ignore them, try to pretend I didn't see them, didn't notice that they were there. And if they do catch my eye, and they do say, can you spare some change? Without thinking, I find myself saying, I'm sorry, I don't have anything. And I'll take a few more steps and I'll realize, you know, I've got a couple dollars in my pocket. I could have given that to them, or I at least could have stopped and I at least could have said hello. I at least could have acknowledged that they were there. And you know, moments like that make me realize how much I still need to be changed, how much I still need to be transformed. Sometimes I start to think that I'm this good person. Um, I grew up in a Christian home, I was baptized at an early age. I went to Bible college, and now I'm a pastor. 
And yet, I find myself treating these people the way that I know how terrible it feels. And so I know I need to be changed. I know I need to be transformed. You know, at my life group a few weeks ago, the Young Adult Life Group, we were talking about the season of Lent that we find ourselves in right now. And we were talking about spiritual disciplines. And a few of us made the observation, an observation that's certainly true for myself, that we have a tendency to try really hard at spiritual disciplines for a while. Maybe I'll decide, you know what, I am going to read two chapters of the Bible every day. And I'll do it. I'll do it for a day. I'll do it for a week. Maybe if I'm doing really good, I'll do it for a month. But then eventually life gets busy, and I miss a day. And then I miss another day. And then another one. And I'm right back where I was, not doing it at all again. Or maybe, maybe I participate in Lent, and for 40 days, I give up Facebook. I'm not on there the entire time. And with a portion of that time, I spend, I spend it praying and reading my Bible. And maybe I succeed. Maybe I do the full 40 days. But then Lent ends. And I find, well, I'm allowed back on Facebook again. And that time for God is gone now. And I'm no better off than I was 40 days ago. Right back where I was. I haven't been transformed. I haven't been changed. And yet I know that I need to be. And you know what? We all need to be changed. We all need to be transformed. You see, when God created Adam and Eve, when he created the first people, the Bible says he created them good. He created them in his image. But pretty quick, they sin. And pretty soon after, we read about the first murder. And then a few chapters later, we read about a people that's become so wicked and so evil, God decides he needs to destroy them with a flood. We all need to be changed and we all need to be transformed. And so where do we find that transformation? Where is it going to come from? Well, to help us understand that, I'd like us to turn this morning to Exodus chapter 34. It's page 66 if you've got a pew Bible. Exodus 34, starting at verse 29. It says, Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands. And just to give you some quick context, those two tablets of the testimony are tablets with the law on them. Um, In particular, the Ten Commandments are written on these two stones. And so Moses, he's coming down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments. And it says he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near him, and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil 
until he came out. And when he came out and he told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. So just to kind of recap, to help you understand what's going on here, God's giving Israel the law. He's giving, he's giving them these commands. And then we see that there's this glory, this radiance on Moses' face. And, and what that represents is God's glory and God's goodness, which is standing in contrast to the evil and the wickedness that's been in the world since, since sin entered it. And this glory, this goodness of God, is then, is then shown on Moses' face, and it's revealed in these laws that God is giving to his people. And, and there's this sense, there's this idea that, that if Israel will just keep these laws, if they'll just follow these commandments, well, then they'll be transformed. They'll be changed. Okay? To help us understand this further, I'd like us to turn to what's actually going to be our main passage this morning, and that's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, page 818, if you've got a pew Bible. And in this passage, the reason we're going to read it is because Paul actually takes this passage from Exodus and he interprets it for us. He helps us to understand what it's saying to us, especially with regards to transformation. So we'll read from 2 Corinthians 3, beginning at verse 7. Paul writes, Now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, he's talking here about the Ten Commandments, if they came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that condemns men is glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was fading away came with glory... How much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. But their their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And so Paul picks up this passage in Exodus, and he uses it to make two key points about transformation. The first point is that the law cannot bring transformation. And we see this in the language that he uses to refer to the law. 
Notice the words and the phrases that he uses. In verse 11, after acknowledging that the law did come with glory, he goes on to say that that glory is decreasing. It's it's fading away. In verse 9, he says that the law actually condemns men. And that makes sense. Um, Paul would have understood the history of Israel, and he would have known that after being given the law, Israel maybe tried to keep it for a while, but they ultimately failed. They were unable to keep the law. They were unable to do what it commanded. And they fell into this pattern where they would try for a while, and then they would find that, that they were failing, and they would turn to other gods, and they would turn away from God and from his law. And then they'd turn back for a while, and they'd fade away again. You know, in many ways, that's not unlike what I talked about earlier in the way that some of us are with spiritual disciplines. Trying by our own power to do it, but then then ultimately failing. And so Paul says that the law condemns men. If people could have kept it, maybe they would have been transformed, but people cannot keep it. Finally, Paul uses this image of a veil. And the veil seems to represent a barrier that's been put between people and the glory of God. It's an indication of an obstacle that's preventing us from being transformed. So point number one, the law cannot bring transformation. It's a good thing we have point number two because it's more hopeful. Point number two is that we can be transformed. And in particular, we can be transformed by the Spirit. Paul says in verse 8, Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? And notice the language that he uses when talking about the Spirit and the transformation it brings. Um, He contrasts it with the old law. He says the old law had a fading glory, a decreasing glory. But then, in verse 18, he says that with the Spirit, we are being transformed into his likeness with an ever-increasing glory. He said that the law condemns men. But then in verse 9, he says that the Spirit brings righteousness. In verse 17, he says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And then perhaps most importantly, instead of talking about a veil, he talks about those that have the Spirit having unveiled faces. And it's this image of the veil that I really want to key in on and focus on this morning. Why is it so important? Why is it so important to Paul that this veil is removed? What is this veil? What does it have to do with transformation? Well, first, we need to realize that when Paul's talking about transformation, he's not talking about just any transformation. He's specifically talking about transformation into the likeness of Christ. He's talking about Christians becoming more like Jesus. The phrase that Paul uses is this. He says, we reflect the Lord's glory. And the image that Paul is bringing to mind here is the image of a mirror. Where the transformation comes about in our lives, not as a result of our own goodness, 
but as a result of the Spirit working in us. We're reflecting the glory of Christ the same way that a mirror will reflect the light that's shining on it. And so he says, without the Spirit, there's a veil over our faces. It's something that's not allowing us to see Christ and to see his glory. And therefore, it's preventing us from being transformed because it's preventing us from reflecting that glory. If there's a veil over a mirror, how is it going to reflect anything? It's not. This image of a mirror is one that we see in other places throughout the New Testament as well. Paul had used it in an earlier letter to the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 13. He said there that we see Christ now as in a mirror, dimly, not fully. But then he goes on to say that when Christ appears, we will see him face to face. John, in 1 John, says something pretty similar. He says, when we see Christ face to face, we will be transformed. Um, and we will be like him. But he says, when we see Christ face to face and no longer as a reflection in a mirror. And, and the point that Paul and the point that John are making is that if we want to be like Christ, we need to know who he is. We need to see him. And the more we see him, the more we will be like him. And so they're saying that right now, when we just see in a mirror, it's imperfect. We can't fully see Christ, and so we can't be fully transformed. But when Christ comes, we'll see him completely, and so we'll be completely transformed. Now, that's the image that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians, and that's the image that John uses. But it's interesting that in our passage this morning, in 2 Corinthians, in a later letter to the same church that Paul's writing, he uses the image of a mirror, but this time he doesn't focus on the dimness or the incompleteness. No, this time there's more of a sense of fullness. This time the sense is completeness, or, or at least a transformation that's happening now. And so Paul talks about ever-increasing glory, about transformation that's already taking place. And so Paul says the veil, the thing that was stopping us from reflecting Christ, well, it's been removed. It's been removed as we're transformed by the Spirit. And with that veil removed, we can now reflect the Lord's glory. So my question this morning for you is this. Are you being transformed? Are you reflecting the glory of God in an ever-increasing way? Now, you may be asking, well, if it's the Spirit that brings transformation, then what's my part? What do I need to do? Well, i got to tell you, first of all, that you have to have the Spirit. And so... If you have not accepted the Spirit, if you've not received the Spirit, you need to do so. Um, because it's the Spirit working in people 
that transforms people. And so if you've not been born again, like we talked about last week, if you haven't been baptized, if you haven't received Christ, well, that's step number one. And, and if you'd like to do that, um, I'd encourage you, come and talk to myself or to Kelly or to Michael um, or someone after service, and, and we'll talk to you more about that and talk to you about what that looks like. But if you already have received the Spirit, if you already have been born again, well, Paul gives a hint a little bit further on in his letter. In 2 Corinthians 4.18, Paul says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. And what Paul's referring to here when he talks about the unseen is he's talking about Christ. He's saying we don't fix our eyes on what we see, on this physical world around us with our physical eyes, but we fix our eyes on the unseen. We fix our eyes on Christ. Because if we're going to reflect Christ, we need to know what he looks like. We need to have our eyes on him. We need to be adjusting the angle of the mirrors of our lives in such a way that we can reflect the glory of Christ. A mirror cannot reflect what it doesn't see. And so that means we need to take time to see God, to notice him. And so that's why we as a church have been focusing on spiritual disciplines. That's why we've been talking about this season of Lent. Because one of the ways that we fix our eyes on Christ is through these spiritual disciplines. Now, I said earlier that the problem with spiritual disciplines is we seem to not be very good at doing them. But I hope that you'll notice the difference here. you'll notice that that the reason that we do them is no longer for legalistic reasons. We're not doing them because we have to. We're not doing them because, well, that's just what a good Christian does. I'm not doing spiritual disciplines because I think that I have to do them and that that's going to get me into heaven. We do spiritual disciplines because they allow us to notice God. We do them because if I want to be transformed by God's Spirit, then I need to bring myself into his presence, and I need to set my eyes on him and allow him to work in me and to transform me. And so that is why I read my Bible. That is why I take the time to pray. That's why I give my finances, why I try to simplify why I take time to listen and to notice. Because in doing those things, I set my eyes on Christ and on his glory. Transformation comes from the Spirit. We simply reflect the light of Christ. And so let us fix our eyes on Christ, that we may notice God and his glory, so that we may be transformed as we reflect that glory. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for the Spirit. We thank you that you're a God that wants to transform us and that you want to do it by your power um, because you're the one that's powerful enough to do it. 
And God, I just pray that you'd help us to see you, to notice you, um, that you would give us the strength to, to do these disciplines, to do these things that, that allow us to focus our eyes on you. And we pray that in seeing you, we would, we would reflect your glory. We pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.